This is Kristen. And this is Isha. Welcome to I'm Not a Peach Crayon. Hi. Are you finished singing that? I could be. Okay. Well, welcome back to another episode of I'm Not a Peach Crayon. This time we are talking about the first. Yes. You want to whisper Did that again? Did we ever look in, into why? Because we said at the last of the, in the episode, the 13, why it was called Treze. It's her the, last name. Okay. Because you, you, said you mentioned that. So it, no, it's no, actually her last name. you said something about it being 13. Oh, that's and, the translation. I right, believe is I 13. Thought, but I thought that that's meant their, something. That's the last name. I knew that. It might, it might mean something. I don't know. Oh. Okay, never mind then, y'all. I thought there was a conspiracy we were supposed to be learning. I mean, maybe we could create one. Just give us a, give us some time to think it through to I make mean, it plausible. There's still a lot that I have questions, not questions on in the sense of like, I didn't understand, but questions on like, I want to know what happens next. And I would love some backstories and some forward stories and some side stories and some in-between stories. Before we get into that, let's jump into what Treze is, considering that it is the first netflix filipino original series you want to go and give us the lowdown on treze in the show treze which is based off of this comic and it's interesting that i saw this uh, or i noticed this they kept spelling the filipino um i guess comic is spelled with like a k at the beginning so i noticed that a lot was popping up and i was like oh i wonder what that means didn't look into it but it was a curiouser and curious, but, but it started as a comic with a K and it was written by Budget or Budget Tan and Kajo Baldissimo. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced your names. I tried to listen a few times and I was like, I'm still going to F this up and I'm so sorry in advance. I'm going to get it eventually. Uh, but they created this comic and it was then picked up by Netflix. And if you watch Trey After Dark, you'll get a little bit more information on like how that kind of got picked up by Netflix. I'm not going to go into that during this. So it centers around this woman named Alexandra Treze and her family lineage is that she's basically uh, holding the balance or leading the balance in between the underworld and the spiritual world and the world of the humans. And there was this agreement made by her family. And, but there's also this outlying prophecy that she's both unaware of entirely and working with, or like working in tandem, but working against whether to her knowledge or not, as she's going through the streets of Manila solving crimes with the Manila Police Department. Very interesting. Right. Already very interesting. So the storyline is uh, super like, um, no, there was, supposed to, there was something else I was going to say. It's like a crime noir meets. Yeah, horror. Horror meets supernatural. Right. There's a, <laughs> there's there's a lot that's going on. Which, oh, now I remember what I was going to say. So the original comic when they were coming up with the idea for it, he, uh, Bujet, the creator, was like, he came to the the um, animation person or his the person he had doing the design work. Uh, uh, Bald- Baldissimo. Yeah, Baldissimo, uh, Kajo. And he gave him a description of what he wanted Alexander, so he wanted to be a, initially a man, uh, to be like and he was supposed to be this kind of gritty tough you know what we think of when we see crime noir like the detective right because or- um when budget was talking in the after dark special he was talking about batman and john constantine mm-hmm. like those were some of the a few of the 
characters so that he, was he, using he as, liked yeah um and that he was basing this, this particular character. character for for the comic on correct and so these are all characters we love honestly right uh so he did this he had kaja do this sketch up and he got it back and and looking at it i can't remember his exact, exact wording but basically he was like he realized that there are so many stories in filipino culture that um especially in media that center around the male figure and he was like it's basically a it'd be interesting and, and about time for it to be centered around a female character and I feel like I see where his mind kind of went in that direction because a lot of the reason why he also created the comic to begin with was because he realized that their culture and their history was being kind of left behind in media. You weren't like most people, his generation and younger had no idea about the stories that uh, belie a lot of the traditions or underlie a lot of the traditions that, you know, as kids, you're told not to do that, but you don't really remember why you just know you're not supposed to go to the belete tree because bad things can happen to you. So he wanted to bring out the culture and, and reestablish a connection to current generations, but make it in an interesting way that they can like find entertaining, but also uh, learn about their, or reconnect if not learn about. Or develop maybe an interest in. Right, their culture and folklore. This comic was first released back in 2005. So it's been out for a while. Mm, I really want to watch it now. Um, I want to read it too. I I would really like to read it because to send us like, you know, from what I I did see, they go by cases, Mm -hmm. and so when they were putting it together, they had to fill in a lot of the spaces because, like, I remember. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, one of the things in the After Dark special that Mm -hmm. they had after you watched Treze was that Bujet was told by by the illustrator Cujo. That if he Kajo, gave sorry. him, not Cujo. I'm sorry. That's the dog <laughs> from Stephen King. <laughs> I am so. I'm I was so like, sorry. I heard my you know, my like, brain like I can just remember Baldissimo, and I don't even know why that. Pops I mean, up at, it does head, grab your head or grab your face. You know what I'm trying to say, right? So my brain is like shutting down. Sorry, but basically, Bujet was told if you can give me 20 pages, then I can you get 20. you. Yeah like the drawings within like 20 20 days days. it was like for every page it was a day right and so that's what they did till they had at least the first seven comics or stories done and then it got put into a book and picked up and everything like that and then it just kind of took off from there and they just kept doing it because i remember kajo saying at one point they he didn't know if it was going to actually get he didn't even not even thinking about the Netflix part, but just like they were just doing it because it was something that they it was interesting and they wanted to do. And if it was just it's kind of the idea if only your mama sees it, then only your mama sees it. But you created something. Well, even what they were basically saying was like, even if they were the only ones who enjoyed it, then they were still going to do it. And I think that's a really good mm. attitude to have. Because no, we don't. You never know what's going to happen in the future. But at least they created something that they were proud of. And it just happened that now a lot more people are being able to get exposed to it because now there's this animated series to go along with it to spark even more interest than there was before. Right. And just like the concept of like we talked about in our last episode, that the the focus that as a global um, storyline, we've only been really given Western folklore, mythology. Western European 
Right. We know that there are other ones exist, and even just thinking about yeah, because it's good that you specify European. Because I was thinking like Native Americans, we like don't really know, and they're Western technically if we go by global standard, global positioning. Uh, but there's all these different cultures and mythologies that both link us as humans in our understanding of the world and how we kind of moved and thrived through it and also lost through it but also the ability to be so diverse and we said in the last episode we when i say that it's like even with your own neighbor an island away on seventy-five thousand islands you have all these different variations that grew from what was initial like uh the animism animism and what was the pre the first one the negro the negi what did they call them negritos that yeah, came the negritos. you know you have this ability to just create this whole mythos and i'm starting to take this class and it's making me understand the idea of like storytelling and how you can be able to have this entire world that develops from a base storyline but then given time and its own environment it grows into something else and you have something like treze and like the mythology and i'm like after i first watched it i was like let me research what all this i went into a black hole y'all i had 38 tabs just for this not including the other tabs on my phone well i didn't have that many tabs but i after going through the first time and watching it and then re-watching it again there were things that i picked up the second time through Mm -hmm. that they because they do go they do explain or define a lot of the a lot of, of what they're talking about as you go along but you have to be paying attention because you can easily miss it and there are a lot of hints that there are i didn't even, like even watching this third time around after watching that youtube clip about from a pinoy cultural ambassador i forgot what his proper title was but he was talking about the first scene and his reaction to like watching the first five minutes and like balete drive is the first scene or the second scene, excuse me, uh, with the ghost of Belete of the Belete tree. And yeah. so he was saying that, um, I forgot what I was going to say, but the, the story is diversity of like that one story is known throughout. And, um, the ghost of the white woman is known throughout Indonesia, uh, the Philippines. God help me. Uh, but there's variations on it. And, it kind of just kind of grows and extends. And one thing that I thought was interesting too, was the, to your earlier point of like how they were trying to transition it from the comic to the store, to the actual TV show Yeah, was that, um, and that was what I was looking for when I was talking while you were talking earlier was that, um, one of the writers for the show, she stumbled upon it randomly. And then they were talking about how do we take, these what's really difficult sometimes when you're translating comic to show is that there you can hop around with comics like each panel is a different moment so you don't really have to do too much explaining in between and so uh with the blessing of budget and um kajo they had to like find ways to use hints and clues to uh to kind of fill in the blanks of what happens in between and this is my earlier point the Belete tree, I didn't even realize when you are on that scene that it shows the lamppost or the street sign first. 
So we don't really know that that's the Belete Treat Drive. But when right. I was watching this guy who knows the culture and was raised there, he was like, oh, he like saw that hint, that Easter egg really quickly and was like, oh, that's Belete Drive. That's what the ghost. And he could he knew what it was before right. he saw it. And, and that would be something that we wouldn't catch because we're not familiar. Right. But at the same time, the thought I was having was that it's imagine if we were watching something where we're familiar and we find yeah. a little and the excitement we have that kind of pulls you in a little bit more but you're like not expecting it and you see your culture in it and you're like oh oh i know what that is that's like a like did anyone else notice that yeah. like that kind of and that that has happened where we've gotten excited over something because we're like oh yeah yeah i i know that i recognize that or that's something totally that a black american would do mm. or say and it does it does make it more exciting and, and more engaging as you mentioned, the Pinoy, that was in one of the articles that I found in on NME.com was that Treze was supposed to be is a supposed to be a little tour of the Philippines and Pinoy culture. And to that end, they had the voice actors, Lou Diamond Phillips, Dante Bosco, mm -hmm. Nicole Scherzinger and Shay Mitchell speak in a Pinoy accent. That, yeah, and they had to have classes in, or a coach. In the English language yeah. version, yeah. Because they were saying, what was it? The characters speak English in the English language version, and yet the spells are in Filipino. Yes. You couldn't cross over into saying the spells if your accent was either too American or Canadian. It made the transition easier for them to do that, and then it also reminds them about how uh, people in Manila speak. Right. Where it's like you have this vague go back American forth. accent. Yeah, where they go back and forth. And so people are like, is that an American that? accent or is it not? So I'm also, we're, we'll make sure to post this yeah. article. It was very interesting about six things that you should know before watching. She also mentions, or the showrunner also mentions that in the Treze After Dark. And she talks about how it was important also to have the spells in uh, Tagalog. There was no if ands, buts about it. Like it was going to be that. And that was very important to have them not translated to English or the other languages that, you know, Netflix is showing us in other countries. Right. And I like that, actually. Mm, I thought it really worked well because it, it made sense. So you get this blend of both. You know, you have the English and then you have the spells that because it gives it more of like there's this ancient older feel or vibe mm -hmm. to it. So I found out that the symbols when they're doing a lot of the rituals, like the circle that they draw yeah. around um, Talabusao is called, it's from a language called Babayin, which is like a pre-colonial language and written language that they had prior to like most of, um, of like Spain and everything and America and everyone kind of before. So Interesting. it's a, um, of the Tagalog people. And so it's a very old language. And he was, so it was in that Pinoy thing where I was watching where he was doing the reaction. And he was like, Oh, I really liked seeing that because that is something that connects us to our past and our history. Cause this is something that's very old and is in a sense common across uh, Philippines because it's such an ancient, language i want to say or ancient tongue that was pre-colonial before Ill. that's interesting i did not realize that when it came to the symbols that because mm. i was wondering because a lot of times you see things and you're like where does it that people find these things yeah. or where, right they do they just make it up because there are some places where you read and they're like they oh just i just like made, just it, made up. it up you know or they look at something else and then they're like oh i just base it off something right. loosely off of this other thing which but is it very really difficult too just to create your own language now that i think about it it's super difficult i can't imagine. i 
super difficult. I make up shit all the time, and I uh, don't remember what some words mean when I made them up the first time. So, kudos to everyone who makes up their own language. But to the point was also there are points where they're like they're looking at the book and they have the masks for the Cabal twins, and I yes. was like, what does it say? But it's in. I after seeing that video, I was like, oh, this is a, a language that is very old and very connective to like their past and, it's, and now I know it's called Babayin which also is curious because their shaman the, the name that Treze goes by is also Babalan yeah, the which, Babalan. which is, means shaman and that I learned was that like a lot of shamans were the ones who led the tribes and were held over like religious and um uh, spiritual practices and like funerals and things like that with connecting souls when they pass on and so they were like the movers and the shakers of the tribe and I was like so does Babalan and Babayin like derive I don't know t- Tagalog enough to know or I don't that's a Tagalog, very interesting question yeah it's a interesting question to definitely ask but also when they when they address when members of the underworld or the the supernatural world address Alexandra they also call her the Lacan and I I love that title I have no idea what that means yeah but I do I I it sounds very cool but I would like to know like what does Lacan mean I I was looking at one thing and she gave this longer title for her and it was Lacan something 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 I it was like a long and it was like the one who is uh the balance of the third world or the leader of the third world or like something like that but there was more to it i'll it was one of those ones where it's talking about the creatures and mythology behind treze and it was someone who was uh filipino descent i i don't know if she was like direct or, or um uh immigrant or expat uh but i was like oh okay that is another point of like questions that i want to know and now i want to go to the philippines and like just go around studying stuff and eating food. Well, it would be very interesting in Manila uh, to take a look at that. But also something else that people may not be aware of who have not read the comic, which is something I wasn't aware of watching the animated series, was that Alexandra, while she lives in Manila, she also owns a club called the Diab- Di- uh, Diabolical. Diabolical. I was like, Diabolique? Yeah, Diabolical. Yeah, Diabolique. Well, yeah, no, they showed like, yeah. in the they showed in the uh, what's it called? Because the point really where they she, show, I didn't really pay attention to that. Oh, I just I, remember I the one she, club, the gold, the what was it called, the gold strip, the one where the kid gets uh, gets it. Yeah, yeah. No, because when she first comes home in the first episode, they show like the sign of it on the outside, and then she she goes upstairs because Hank's at the bar. And I was like, oh, she must own a bar as her side. Because I was like, where does where do you just hide? You know, every good crime noir horror thing, supernatural, they always have a, a cover, a cover There's of business. A side, they got to have a regular business because these, these cases are coming in uh, sporadically. Right? And so when the police captain, Captain Guerrero, gets stumped on something or it has this supernatural vibe to it, that's when he goes and he calls on Alexandra to like come in and kind of sort things out or figure out what's going on or help him out on the on the case you know it makes me wonder when i see those because that's that's happened in a lot of cultures now with like crime noirs where it's mixed with supernatural where they're like pairing with the local pd and i'm just like i wonder in chicago 
if there's like a special squad no of supernatural <laughs> no <laughs> they wouldn't be them. able to work with the chicago pd no they wouldn't at all they'd, they'd have to work as rogues and then the chicago pd fights them and be like yeah tries i to mean like, like no as many black sites that they got in in the city of chicago wouldn't it be cool though allegedly Man, i mean it wouldn't be cool because then some of us would be eaten by monsters and i mean we are being murdered by monsters but not to digress <laughs> I don't know what would be better, being actually murdered by This might be the last creatures. time you hear from us before <laughs> we all. disappear. They won't. What do we got? We ain't got nothing. We are not telling them about any other things we do. <laughs> We're not telling them about things that they don't already know about. Exactly. So if they had something to say, they would say it already. Let's go with characters. So we mentioned Alexandra a few times. So she is our protagonist and we're basically following her story now what i found interesting when i went back to watch the series again was how most often when you're going and looking back because they have flashbacks Mm. the flashbacks are in black and white or maybe gray and white which is very noir i feel like yes it's very interesting i wonder is that i can't remember if the comic is in i think the comic is in black and white too it's not in color I I believe it is from some of the prints that I've seen it was black and white but I found it interesting that it's not a hundred percent of the time but probably like about 80 90 percent of the time Mm. when you see her with a flashback or a young uh, Alexandra she or young Alex she is it's in black and white right even though the colors are, are muted you go into color when you're back generally in the present mm-hmm. and I also just with the colors again I liked the the colors for Manila when they would see the city it was it always seemed to be like overcast kind of and cloudy like there's this this presence that's always hanging over it mm. that's dimming whatever light could possibly come through or obscuring it I feel like it just kind of went with the vibe of the series where it's like this dark kind of gritty yeah crime thing going on I mean that on. makes me think of um Sin City and like a lot of other yeah. noirs that I, I've seen where the idea of like everything is gritty and gray like when you think of Gotham it's right very, it's all the, muted and dark right and there's certain things that are meant to have color to like spike because even Talk Busao at one point we were discussing this as we were watching it and he's like, everyone else is muted colors. And he's got bright red and bright oh, gold. Shiny. And I was think, trying to think of, because even uh, maybe Hank's car, like at one point, yeah. is something and that's... Yeah, and his And Hank's suit. Until like, until, uh, yeah, but like there's certain things that pop. Right. You know, and I, I like the way that's something, when, I don't know if that's like a trope that's very common. That it's just something that I've seen in a lot of noirs. And I like that, like the pop of like, I'm going to, it's gritty, but there's little things that like bring out the, the light in the darkness. Yes. Or the joy, I guess, like Hank's car. That's his joy in the darkness. But then you have blood, which is very, there are times when it's muted, but very much is like bright red yes. all the time. It's, it's ever present. Hey. It's like, the, it, it's a very interesting fact that they have with all of the colors. I think that that was something that I found very interesting was the use of color. Mm. I wish I could speak more about that subject. I didn't go to film school or anything yeah. like that. So I don't, I really can't hypothesize give, uh, a, what is that? A uh, expert opinion on that, you but it did have, it did have an effect that I found very interesting and to connect to the story. So yeah, in terms of Alexandra too, cause uh, she is also 
muted. So that's something that I've noticed sometimes is that there'll be like bright colors to like the main character or like tones to them or they have certain things that are bright colors, but she never does. Maybe her lips are purple at one point because she's wearing lipstick, but that's about it. Um, well, uh, but there's a time when they're, they've got like a reddish tint to them for it either way. So Alexandra, basically she is going back to, you were introducing her as a character. Um, she is basically the leader of her clan, which all that's left is her and her two adopted twin brothers. And we'll go into them a little bit later, but she has lost both her father and her mother in the story by this point in time, like when you come into it. So you find out kind of along the way why and what happened to both of them. But you know that her mother comes from this powerful line of Babalans, which are these shamans, and she was also a seer. Spoiler alert. Well, in the comics and everything like that, she is both the daughter and that was something that was interesting i think about the character and that was what bougette was saying is that she's both a warrior and a shaman which shamans were specifically a female role and so it makes sense that her mother was a shaman um and so she kind of inherits that but then the warrior part the 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 mandri mandirigmang means warrior so she's the i'm gonna say this totally wrong mandirigmang babalan is warrior shaman and she inherits this title from her father who is like i said has also passed for another reason and she's kind of carrying this heavy this mantle mantle without really kind of knowing the true history behind who she is and who and like what has been destined for her or not i don't want to say destined because you know you destiny is only so finite you can change she just knows basically what it is that her father taught her right to to survive as well as to be able to mediate between humans and the supernatural in order to keep the peace and the balance between them one thing i like too about her is so when you when you get into the story after the first initial introduction with the belete drive uh ghost you get to a point where she's hunting about what happens on a train, the MRT. And she is like no holds bar. She's, she kicks people's ass. She comes through and like, people are like, you're not supposed to be here. And she just like knocks everyone out, which makes me think very much John Constantine where, you know, he, the, he comes into a spot and they're like, you're not supposed to be here. And then they, he like kicks their ass and then they People's show like, up. I'm here them. anyway. Right. So just get out of my way. And she comes up to the main boss and like basically mutilates him. Cause she's like, I already gave you the warning and you still effed up. So this is, this is, this is what we're doing. And it made me think this is where I'm going to, is that it made me think about the fact that a lot of times when you have tough, aggressive women, were called bitches and she was called a bitch in the show. And you know, that's something also as a female, cause she's taking up the mantle of her father who was like, everyone just seemed to follow him. I mean, I'm sure he had did stuff, but like everyone seemed to follow. And they always continue to bring that back up. Cause when they see her, instead of just calling her Treze, it's usually young Treze or right. there's this comparison with Al- her father, of how her father Antoine's would do something. Daughter, Anton. Yeah. You know, like your father would do this or your father would do that. It was like, but her father's not here. Right. Like, she she's is. doing and this I, and that. And that's why I was thinking, I was like, she has to be strong and tough because no, like she said at one point, she's like, they are not going to respect a piece of paper that my father did like signed with them. I have to make them respect me, not my father. And that's something you see a lot with like women today where you have to like this fine balance of you have to be aggressive 
to kind of make it and be taken serious. And that goes to that, that book I was telling you about earlier called, um, black dignity in a world made for whiteness of like when women are experts in their field or know what they're doing or, uh, people tend to question them constantly and they have to be affirmed by either the male gaze or in this particular part in the book, it was a black woman being affirmed by her white counterparts before their ideas accepted as like good or valuable. Yes. And so she has to do the same thing of like, she has to be tough and whereas maybe because there's a point where the, the twins are like wow did we really have to do that and she's like yeah we have to do this because they're not going to respect me if i don't i can't rest on the laurels of my father right and another thing that she mentions is like the the consequences like a lot of times they people they were doing things with no fear of any consequences mm-hmm. because they're like oh well the thought was like your father really didn't do anything because he was trying to keep the peace so you're not going to do anything too and she was like no that's not how this is going to work mm-hmm. essentially and so you see that she she does get a lot a lot done she's very methodical like a lot of things that uh, a lot of times women are accused of being emotional mm-hmm. that's something I feel is ridiculous because uh, human beings are all, uh, all emotional, all emotional. And at, men, <laughs> men are very very emotional they have times of the day <laughs> their <laughs> like, cycles just are like, daily <laughs> there are daily so you're just like uh i need you to just calm yourself but just that that idea and that thought that you know she has to to to, to stay do, calm mm. and that reminded me of a um video that I saw about on YouTube about the myth of this of the angry black woman where it's just this automatic assumption that if a black woman is upset then there's something wrong with her Mm. or it's it's an internal thing but people don't stop to think that maybe it's an external issue maybe she has human feelings and emotions just like everybody else and it's not meant to say that hers are worse Mm -hmm. than someone else's or like anytime a black woman gets upset that's when everybody's like oh well you need to calm down right what do you need to stop and assess what would possibly have made her upset in the first place or would you be saying the same thing if it was a white man who Mm -hmm. got upset or a white White woman woman or a person of a different cultural background and skin tone but when you see it's a black woman who's upset, then all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, well, being... she's just angry mm-hmm. and we didn't do anything wrong when this, it yeah. could actually have been something you could have done. Right. There's <laughs> this idea of like just automatically being aggressive, like and having a tone and that when you're expressing your feelings or your your anger or your frustration, it's automatically um dismissed as non non an unvaluable uh aspect of the conversation and like it can be used against you and so you have alexandra who is you find out a little bit later that she has a four brothers who we don't really get to see the show and then she had a sister um and you find out kind of what happens to her sister sorter along the way you get like both sides of or multiple sides I don't say both sides multiple sides of the story and you know there's still more to it but you find out that Alexandra has this huge prophecy prophecy thank you that has been told about her and her sister and her 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 position they call her the sixth child of the sixth sixth child child. yes and we were trying to figure out we're like because where are the other children right because we were like what's the sixth child I was like so there had to be like 
five or five four, other children right and so we were counting through the show and then i looked it up because it drove me insane and that's how i found out about the four brothers who one of them what did i say one of them was a warrior the oldest was yes. a warrior one was a warrior the oldest was, was the warrior the second oldest was the professor then it was the, the priest. priest and then it was the thief which you find out later he's like he's thieving important sacred artifacts back that were taken or from like others so it made me think of this is why i'm getting to him specifically is it made me think of like with africa where a lot of our stuff has been taken to europe into their museums and they're hanging and holding, they're holding on, on to it them. because they're like uh until you can actually show us that you can be responsible for the stuff that we stole from mm. you and it was we're like give it here. back you stole it right <laughs> it made me think i was like i wonder if he's stealing it like quote unquote quotation marks stealing it back which like reminds in the same me way. kind of a, like killmonger mm. in black panther right. where he goes in and he was like you stole all this stuff so i'm just taking it, it back, back. Mm-hmm. i mean i would too if i was a master thief and that would probably be my social work you know Getting back the things stolen from my people. All right, Lupin. Hey, well, <laughs> Lupin he, the Fourth. That he was trying to clear <laughs> his father's name. That's something slightly different, but yes, I don't know if I would call myself Lupin. First of Lupin all. the Fourth. I want to be my own person. Maybe I'll be Killmonger. Minus Killmonger the, the second, <laughs> right? Minus the now, killing. I was like, I want to be my own person, so maybe I'll be Killmonger. I was like, <laughs> I think someone beat you to that. <laughs> not the second no one has been the second Killmonger yet. the second <laughs> that will be a first Killmonger Jr. Uh, so who helps uh, Alexandra so you mentioned her adopted or foster brothers uh, the twins so you have Crispin and Valissimo mm-hmm. and so they are half human or or basically they're demigods yeah pretty pretty much which i was trying to figure out because they call them cabal the cabals and but then i also saw that used interchangeably with twins so i was like does that mean treze and her sister were cabals too or is that specifically just for because then another thing i saw was it just means half um half demi like demigods who are twins it it might just be for them i don't know yeah um but they are demigods and through some circumstances, through some very uh, interesting circumstances, they become they are adopted by the Treze family. They can and float, so yeah. they work with her, and basically the, that's her 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 backup. And then you have Hank, who's one of my favorites, mm, who used to be her dad's backup, right? And he was and he was one of the ones from that generation that was still there to kind of look after her and as well as the twins, right? And to help keep them going and everything like that. And Hank has a very sweet ride with what is my her favorite name? A-Track. Yeah, <laughs> he had a name team. for the car, though, and I forgot what it was name was. I do not remember. I just remember him yelling at the twins about not touching his car. Well, first or, of all, or the he, A-Track. he had a roll. You remember, I don't know how old some of you are, if you've ever been a car that has a roll down windows, but I remember those. But yes, he had to be careful. You had to be careful, though, in the older ones, because that would pop off all the time the, the handle would come off right and so if i'm assuming hanks has a classic because he had that stuff detailed to a t it was looking sharp and then they broke off that handle because they couldn't figure out how to open the window <laughs> like nobody see they're used to that automatic yeah they were like oh. how do you open this? 
I w- I'm not gonna lie. I probably would be too if I'd never seen one. I'm like, I I know I would be laughing if someone was like, "How do you open this?" I was like, "You roll it down." It takes it takes arm power, right? We got a, we had real strong arms back then. Uh, we didn't, and then our 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 mother did like to rip the handles off of things. Like the uh, car door. Mom, I just want you to know, I didn't bring it up this time. It's true, though. It's true. And that's why her nickname is Heracles or Hercules. Which, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say nothing, but I'm not going to say nothing. Uh, what I love, though, about the twins, which I wish they wouldn't. I know I'll probably have to read the comic for this. And hopefully they'll talk about it in season two. But like why their masks is masks is their masks are the the theater like happy sad or tragedy i was and, wondering yeah tragedy and a, a comedy a, there's a point where they open the book and there's the it's written in babayin again but it's under the mask and i'm like i can't read that so i have no idea what that says and i need someone to put some subtitles up just like throw, yeah like so i can understand being on on everything too I was wondering that myself with the with the twins and I'm sure we'll get into yeah. more of that. But something else that I thought was interesting is that also with the dynamic between her and the twins is that they are kind of fun loving. Mm. <laughs> they just like are seem to always pretty much be having a good time. And so it's it's like they balance each other out. Mm-hmm. Like she's serious and they're usually having fun, but they work together because they balance each other. They both had prophesied destinies, but one of them had a more serious role, I want to say. And then she also had to raise the other two a little bit, or she had right. To, well, she, she became the old. She became the big sister right. when she was the little sister. That makes me want to know what happened with her brother so bad. I, I gotta. Read I know there comics. are so many. There are so many questions because they're way older this, than her. That this series leaves you with. I know. Um, so are we missing any main human care? Oh, so there's Captain G, Cap G, Captain Guerrero. Yeah. Yes, Captain who's Guerrero. Who's over the, the middle of that particular precinct, I'm assuming. Yes. Because he said there were other ones. I yeah, was, but he's over a specific precinct. I was like, does he have her come in on other precincts? Or does he just... Um, No, but it seems to be like whatever precinct that he's in, what, whatever issues get stirred up, that's where he calls her in to help him out on. Cap G was my fave. But he also knew her father, in which case it makes sense that he calls her in because he called her father. He called in. her father in mm. and was participating with her father on cases as well. We'll discuss more about some of the characters after this brief break. See you soon. And we are back from our break. So one of the characters that I would like to talk about is Nuno, who works uh, on a chocolate commission. And he is basically the informant that Alex goes to for information on what's going on with the underworld. So you, he usually pops up out of the sewer. Right. I just, I think that's just great. Which is that great conversion or that confusion of what happens when you take something that is traditionally, you know, before there were cities and concrete jungles, they lived in mounds and dirt and like in certain areas in the soil. And so you, you now have to how do you uh update you, that update that the, in for the city and so they they did that where he has this like cute cute little um sewer uh, what's it called the little a manhole cover, cover yeah. as a hat which has to be heavy but then yeah he's a sucker for chocolate which i mean well, like that's a, that's his Shop, for great. information so We're it's just great. like hey just toss a couple of chocolate bars right I, but i wonder what does he normally because does he always just uh 
do it for chocolate or <laughs> or if like occasionally he just gives her information because it seems like that's like more of an added incentive but they just you know well i guess you know somebody gives you like information you just want to but like hey thanks the pot. like here you go but sometimes she used it to lure it out it wasn't so true much here I, I feel like that's just something that he gets it's it's his form of payment right you know? Um, he has a little golem too that uh, these golem warriors that uh, defend him or protect his area. And I heard there, so the reason why they use Tabi Tabi Po is because they can be very territorial. And if you disrespect or come across their land and do something that is no bueno, they will F your sh up. So you have to A, say excuse me for, you know, coming in your space, but also you have to find, so maybe that's my point is maybe that's why she also has a chocolate because you have to he see for the way they make uh uh nuno uh people out to be when i'm uh, we were watching the stuff about the mythology it seems like maybe it was more of like you have to appease them in some sort of way because they could bring bad luck to you and misfortune yeah and it makes sense that she would respect them as a show of you know if you're going to be the person who's supposed to be mediating disputes, well, you have to show respect for all the parties that are involved or you should show respect for all the parties that are involved. And so she shows respect, but at the same time, she, she get she does provide, she does provide yeah, like incentive. incentive for that information. And so Nuno is willing to work with her and provide her with information. And cause there comes a point when Hank is looking for information. And although Nuno gives it to him, he's like, you well, have he, to act like that. Right. Well, he lures him out for chocolate. Like he pretends like he's going to give him chocolate and then like basically interrogates him. Hank style. Right. And then Nuno's like, mm, you didn't have rah. to do all that Hank. Uh, but Oh, to your point. So earlier you said you were wondering what Lacan means. And I I just looked at my notes when I was looking at the who's who. And one of the notes I had when I was looking it up was that Lacan is, it can mean like the family bloodline of, um, was it communities that, that communes with the supernatural world. Okay. So that also might be what, like, her title, Lacan, like, one who communes with the supernatural, supernatural world. Yeah. And because it comes through that particular bloodline. Right. That's um, interesting. Yeah. I would like, there's so many things that tie in that if you're not familiar with the language, it does leave you with, like, wondering. But right. you know that these terms are important. Your head definitely, like, if you're paying attention but not paying attention, where you hear, you'll hear something like, wait, what? What? Because there's a point where she... So I have two favorites. So the first one is Centamo, which I was first misspelling long when I was kind of trying to look Sintamo's it up. Like it was one. totally different than what I thought, um, or at least the first part. But basically, it's this giant fireball that she calls up on her cell phone. And I was like, what is this? And it's an old cell phone at that. Right? This is like a Nokia brick, y'all. And I used to have one, so I know what those are. Uh, but she calls him up on there, and he always pops up, and he like, hey, he's like, he's very cordial he's always yes. like hey what's up how's your day would you How like to play doing? a game right you know are we here for chill or for business um but apparently there are lost souls that uh can they can help but they have like unfinished business and they're kind of akin to the will-o'-wisps idea that yeah. we have on our end where they're like spirits of the dead who just haven't really rested they can be helpful but they can also be harmful harmful but mostly they're helpful so i was like okay i need this fireball slat head inside of because they're fire elementals too which also funny enough i saw was that the concept of elementals in the t t 
sense of air, fire, water, earth is not common to uh, the history of uh, like the the Philippines. Like they didn't really have the concept of that before. Like other did they come started. in with Buddhism and right? That was more of a because they had the idea of like you know there were there were people connected to the or not people but there were spirits connected to different forces in the in the world. But it wasn't so much of that uh, f- that split of those four elements and then everything kind of deriving from there. So that was one of my favorite. And then the other one was the Tikbalang. Yes. Which were the horse people kind of like. It, it's such a cool name. Right? That, that was one of the easier ones to say too. It was, it was like Tikbalang. Okay. I got it. It just rolls right off the tongue. It's pretty. It's awesome. But the, I like the way that. Oh, no. I, I lied. Ami and Hannah. Oh, yes. I liked all three of these because they were the wind spirits. Right. Which I was talking. We talked about briefly in the last episode because they're derived from um, their months, northeast and southwest. Or I might be getting the, the east west directions wrong, but north south monsoons like powers. And so they're direct der- derived from these gods that were or these spirits spiritual beings that created tribes or had like a um, tribes that came out for them and they're not quite wind elementals but it's the simplification to be able to like to explain say that it. they right. are wind and elementals but they're in they the charge of a spirits. lot of things which made me think of like um when you think of orishas in yoruba where like i was telling you that story where Olum didn't really know how to give out the powers to everyone because it was the kind of idea like everyone people wanted to help with giving advice so they're like give us powers and we can you know be teachers to each other and yeah. he's like well i don't know who should get what so he let it rain down on them and they could run around and catch whatever and i feel like that's kind of how <laughs> it's these, like there you go like pick what you have it's like you have, my bag right <laughs> you have these elementals like there's the bagayan who are like lightning elementals and you have these fire ones and then there's these earth ones so you have all the but then you also have they're not quite air but even though they have air, they also rule like water and like this other random thing and this other random thing over there and that thing over there. And you're like, okay, so did y'all just go outside? They, just, they was just a catch-all. It was like, okay, uh, everybody's got something and you just take it's whatever's like left over. It's like that mystery grab bag where you go to things and they're like, yeah, here's your like, free tote bag. And you're like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with all of this uh, miscellaneous stuff, but I, didn't really, I guess I'll, I'll do something with it, figure right? something out. I didn't really want to, you know, be over dead babies, but cool, cool. <laughs> I don't want to ferry their souls, but I guess <laughs> okay but those were my favorites oh Talabusau was also cool but he's not a favorite he was just an interesting character yes the Talabusau yeah we don't want to give away too and much Ibu. but you'll you'll be able to see a lot of them and then they'll also explain who they are and, and what and what they do what's cool too is they're like a hodgepodge in a sense too of like the different because we talked about this in the last episode of how like there's so many different um cultures now that kind of exist within the Philippines and like storylines and so like where the Aswang mean one thing in one island or area they are totally different or what their their capabilities and that goes to Togbusao and Ibu like Ibu was the goddess for like the Manaubo tribe I, I might be saying their name wrong but like that was a, and then Togbusao was for shoot, I think I wrote that down was for the Bukindan belief tribe so there's like these the intermixings air. of all these different so everyone gets a little it's like a grab bag it was like everyone gets a little bit of representation right it's like we we didn't forget you everyone can play with us 
those are i mean there's a ton we talked about there's a ton of characters and and other mythos and, and important characters that kind of pop up but overall we've hit the main so what did you uh did you learn anything I learned quite a few things. I learned new folklore, myths, legends, stories just by going through and watching this and looking for information online to, I guess, further continue with what I was studying. And I think that goes back to the previous podcast that we did in preparation for this one Mm -hmm. with that background information to help not just ourselves, but listeners as well to kind of get a little bit of a crash course orientation in Filipino culture and history for folklore. Right. It was fun to learn about the, that edit, those added things. Mm. And then as I was watching it a second time and could really focus on what it is that I was looking at, there were so many things that came to my attention and I was like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like mm. I'm following along with the story and I, and the story is like, it has a good, it has a good flow, flow to it. It's definitely something you can watch several times. You could, and they leave it open for a second, possibly a second season. Right. Something I liked, too, was the idea that I heard someone talking about was that it was very representative of a lot of, especially if you just looking at the, the opening artwork and music, of, like, problems and issues that, uh, uh, how this one person put it, was, like, mainland Philippines. So, like, I think he was an expat was that they're still dealing with a lot of crime. So all these little stories are even in the comic, the case by case episodes deal with those things. So you see there's a scene of what would be like, uh, I keep wanting to say favelas, but like the slums or favelas there in the Philippines and what those look like. And it, the guy was saying, it's amazing how detailed it was with kind of, and there was like a, in the opening scene, there's like a murder that they're kind of like looking over. And he was like, that's something we're dealing with where that happens a lot in these slum areas where, you know, people are being abused or like the government is taking advantage because you have the mayor who's like this villain in the story. Yeah. And he, and so that's something when you think about city corruption and government corruption and like how people are just thrown to the wolves for, for this a particular person's ambitions right there's so many different storylines and they you just go from like one story to the to the next like one tragedy to the Mm. next and it's very interesting the way they find a way to link them together and you're like okay but still like like you said like i would not have known that these were problems that are rampant problems in the Mm. philippines like these are problems that happen everywhere but the specific like how is like yeah the extent or how how bad it is Mm -hmm. i mean the last thing i remember hearing about the philippines Mm -hmm. off the top of my head because my head doesn't retain too much nowadays because i'm i'm getting up there but um was the fact that there was the president who was oh duarte yes who was um executing people over petty drug offenses yeah or any drug offenses Mm -hmm. um and it was just like that's crazy but the way he was going yeah but it's not like i could really say anything because what our country does is not Not much better Mm because we depending upon what you what you look like or the color of your skin we just lock you up for the rest of your life Mm. um over small petty drug offenses. Like there are people who commit murder and they don't even spend that long in prison. 
but we'll either keep you in prison or shoot you or, or right to hard labor or whatever which yeah and make sure you never get out you know first time first time drug offense could land you in prison or has landed people in prison for like what 15 years or more right. i mean you have forcible movement of people from their land by you know you're not giving them what is worth the land that you're trying to take from them and then you find some malicious way to remove them from the property whether it's setting fire to the homes that they live in or, or calling sending, it imminent domain right or sending aswang in to murder people or yeah. you know mur- just you know sending regular soldiers in to murder people and remove people from spaces like it's even though this is told with the mythos of uh like these supernatural creatures infiltrating but these are all things that human monsters do in not only in the philippines but like all other, over the world yeah, all over the world so you have that empathetic connection of i don't want to say empathetic connection but empathetic connection of like we experience in a certain way some very similar issues and it, it gives us um kind of a look into like not I don't want to be like hey you're like me but that idea of like we we tend to separate ourselves by country too and it's like and to say that my country does this better than yours or, or we're my better problems are worse than yours right mm-hmm. it was like we have the pretty much the same problems or similar problems it's just the different ways that we retackle them like even when you talk about uh police abuse mm-hmm. uh, you know you talk about corruption police abuse abuse of power like that is something that we have here just like you see in Treze that they have to deal with that issue as well. Right. You know, with you have one, Who's maybe trying. two, two, two cops that are trying to do what's right. And then you have others that are like, oh, we can just do whatever we want. Because it gets results. Yeah. And they're poor and nobody cares. Right. <laughs> it's like, like, but that's not what, what you're supposed to be to be doing. You're supposed to be protecting and helping these people, not abusing them. And there are just so many things like human trafficking. It just, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on. On the same end of that spectrum or the other end of that spectrum, you have small things like the concept that their MRT is always breaking down. Like it was funny watching different Pinoy people who are, who live in the Philippines and be like, yep, that's pretty standard. And they make comments because there's a point where like the characters get off and they're like, it's happened three times a day. And I saw this guy laugh and he's like, yeah, that's definitely our culture. And it's like those, so you have this, the sadder, more deeper contextual issues, but you also have these little, f- f- not fun, I want to say, but like the minor inconveniences where you can be like, yep, that's the same bullshit that we definitely deal with. I see that. Yeah. But there are also some moments that it, it does make you laugh. It's just kind of like life. Like it's not mm-hmm. all just dr- dread and despair, mm-hmm. but there are times that there's things that, that are funny that happens. I definitely like the representation of, how they made Manila alive as a character too in that because there was a point where I was reading an article and the guy was like yeah even just the fact that there are billboards everywhere in the background he's like that's Manila like they're just he's like for better or worse they're just billboards every damn where and I didn't think about that until and then so that's why I was watching a little bit before we started recording today because I was like damn he's right there are billboards everywhere now that I think about it and they make it very prevalent and it's like these little things that are very much the culture and they're like 
we may not as you know outsiders necessarily pick up on right because i've never been to manila so i wouldn't know or live there you could right. be there and not really you and know, pay attention know. i guess you could say the same thing like let's say somebody was doing something about new york mm. and they were they were talking about Times square yeah yeah um like if you were to say like this is new york but you you go and there's no broadway productions no signs no billboards no, no nothing you'd be like <laughs> yeah you were like this is not New York because New York is known for Times Square and how lit up Times Square Which is. Which is funny because everyone who lives there hates fucking Times Square. <laughs> but yet, that's what that's yeah. one thing that people know. Like, if you so know boy. about New York, <laughs> so I'm like, it makes sense. Like, if you know about Manila, like, this is something that mm. is like typical that you would of see the there every day. I would say like the New York subway system for, and Manila's like having that, like if you had a show where they showed you what it was like thinking of broad city where they go on the train, it's like the weird, crazy stuff. And then I follow this, uh, this Instagram, that's like subway New York subway creatures and the things that happen on there, you're like, damn, they were not lying when they said these things happen on the train. Like, so that kind of thing, like more of the everyday, like what people who live there experience. Right can't like see so you have like the extremes of or the one end of like the crime and corruption or the terrible things that happen or the murders that people don't care about because of listing not listing status <laughs> sorry y'all, i had to work today uh class status and race background and probably even like culturally speaking you know when they yeah. talk so much about how the different island the islands have developed differently i wonder our long what are there tensions along those lines you know how they how they deal with each other i don't know that would be something interesting to to look into for sure yeah i i'm trying to think if there's anything like i mean we're trying to be very broad so we don't like give too much away but but it's only a six episode series so it's so not good. gonna it's not gonna take long to to watch yeah i watched it i think literally in a day the first time but i was also watching it in the background but I've watched it three. Or I'm four like, you times can watch it in like three hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely like you get a very good sense of like what's going on and you don't feel lost. And even though you may not know all the characters, you they, like you said earlier, they kind of explain certain things to you as you go along so you don't feel too lost. And then you have all these little context clues that each time you watch, which I love shows that do that, where every time you watch it, there's something new you find or see or notice it definitely has been having that for me and i'm like it's reignited my folklorist spirit i can say that so are you feeling this series i'm feeling it feeling it all over me i don't know what my favorite part is i have to think what's your are you feeling it or not i am I thought it was really well done. Mm -hmm. My favorite part would probably be the exposition towards the the end, where mm -hmm. it was like, was you it find uh, out what happened with her in the cumball? Yeah. So when the what, when the god of war show, shows up, I love saying his name. Now that I know how to say, <laughs> <laughs> when he shows up and he starts going through, it's like, huh? It makes you start to think. You're like, okay, so who's Who's telling the truth or is the truth somewhere in between? Or are they all things? truths of some nature? Right. So mm -hmm. it, I, I think I like that because there's this whole thing is like, is he lying? Does he have a reason to lie? Like all of these things that make you have to stop and think mm -hmm. 
think back through everything that you've seen and, and heard and you're like, huh, hmm, I don't know. Do I know? It was like, just because it, I feel like it puts kind of puts you in the mind of like the characters mm-hmm. because then they also have to go through this as well. It's like trying to figure out like fact from fiction. What do you hang on to? You know, what you know or what you believe you know or right. or what? I, it, it's just, I think that was probably my favorite part. And they had a lot of jokes in there where they just kind of slid them right, right in. <laughs> right There's in. A lot of things. Uh, I have to say, I like, I do like the exposition at the end, like you said. Um, there's a lot that goes on. I also like how Telebusao is a great storyteller because he put the story in the smoke visually as well as giving you the audio. So I have to say kudos to him for, yes, you know, learning how to storytell. Uh, the other thing I liked was a lot of the flashbacks, honestly, the way they, they juxtaposed them into the story. So it didn't feel like it was just like shunted in. You're like, Oh, where am I at? But you, I even like the way they kind of slip with, in information each time with each developing character or each developing episode of like what's happening or the background because it leads up to that exposition at the end and you get a lot of the as you're as you get more history it starts to leave you starting to ask those questions like what is entirely true and what is entirely false like you already start getting a hint at things are not quite what the way seem. yeah the other thing I liked was when, or the other specific scene I liked was involving the ch- chinak, which I'm not going to say too much, but they were like the little baby vampire, baby spider thing. Oh, thing yeah. was so creepy. So creepy. Yeah, that, because that's one of my fears. Little black eyed children and. Oh gosh, I can't even with yeah. that. Yeah. This might be why I never watch kids because I just like they, see little black eyed children. Can you imagine creepy. if you were you woke up in the night and your kids were standing over you with like black eyes? I was like, mm. okay. Side note, I'm just going <laughs> to throw this out because now that you've mentioned black eyed children, when I was at, at, at work actually in like an office, I would listen to um, the, the podcast and that's why we drink, mm. right? One of the one day they were talking about black eyed children. I had never heard of black eyed children scary. Uh, prior to that. For for some reason, at first I was like, "Are they talking about black children? Like what happened?" But no, they said black eyed children, and I was like, <laughs> "I listened to that." And then you had gone for like the weekend because you were out of town for 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 something or other, and I was here by myself. And I kid you not, I was freaked out. Because I thought black eyed mm-hmm. children were going to be standing out on the back porch. Mm-hmm. And I refused to even go into the kitchen because <laughs> I was afraid that they would look in through the kitchen window That's and why we see have me. the shade there. <laughs> I didn't even want to draw, go in there and draw the shade down. I was like, we no. We the shade up on the side. And then, I was, and then as I was like freaking scaring myself. <laughs> about these black eyed children being on our back porch and knocking on the door mm. trying to get in and I was like wait a second there would be no black eyed children in this neighborhood no. and secondly nobody would let them in if they were right there may be I mean I've seen started now that not all black eyed children are white So I, w- I was just thinking the fact that they'd probably be more out in the suburbs where they where people would have like the nicer homes and stuff like that so the children could go from house that's to house that's true because there's like no real front door right you have to like 
I guess they. But then I've seen them in hotels and shit, so I don't know. You've seen not black eyed person, children? No, I mean like media and shit. So like that's what I'm saying. Oh. Like they can well, be in it. Doesn't matter. Like I said, I didn't feel that they would the be in our neighborhood. Screech, but, screech. but like it really freaked me out. Okay, I'm. I'm a, <laughs> but that was my little tale about black eyed children. Well, they, what's I never funny, meet them. Is the Cabals <laughs> were black eyed children. children? That's true. They were, <laughs> and I, there was a brief second <laughs> they when were. you first get introduced to them as kids, and I was like, <laughs> "My like, you can't see it, but my eyes were twitching." There my, was like that like, look of shock and horror, just like, like sh- playing across her face, like concerned. <laughs> but or, then they seemed to be kind of fun loving, like right, I said. Right? But they were arguing, but you know, it's they good. didn't just show up on your doorstep, though. Right. That's true. Honestly. It's anytime don't this is just a PSA everyone if you are in the, in the world situation and you send your children to, to me to like you're like go to Isha because she'll protect you and no. if little kids just start popping up out of nowhere I will not open fire <laughs> but I will not <laughs> let them into my place <laughs> because I don't know them even if I knew your kid unless you are with them and you look healthy and fine and not possessed I will not be letting your children in unattended. Oh, I don't trust any I, and old people. I love old people, but at the same time, I watch too many horror stories where old people are possessed by demons and attacking. Now everybody's possessed by demons. Same. Oh gosh! Or okay, that movie yeah. It, the second one, where the, the I don't even watch the those old movies. lady turns into a demon and nope. like runs up. The, oh, what is her name? Nope. Don't yeah. even watch it. Don't even watch it. Won't watch it. Was it was creepier in the book, but. Uh, See, this is why I don't watch these things because it would it would freak me out and I would have that playing in my head all the time too. And like, I don't know. I was like, y'all need to stop trying to scare me of my old age and your children. Yes, I was like, that is something I've truly that is truly scary. Do not put a naked elderly person in front of me. That's that's terrifying. You know what I also (laughs) noticed? There weren't a lot of people older in the show. Like, I wonder what the the especially in lower income areas what the age oh what's the what's the word i'm looking for a lifespan is what the life expectancy yeah is. because so like, uh, that's a that's a good question but also maybe the the people who are older just know better so they know not to be out be out but even during the day i was like did i see any old people and besides like nuno he who looks like an old man and that uh duende mushroom dude from the red tribe he was he looked old but everyone else but i also kind of feel that they were it's also depending upon where they were at and what they were doing when they were investigating certain things i'm trying to think of what when they were crossing the street out in the sun if i saw any old people i have to go back and look i'm I'm sure there's there are some older people in there i have to say the combals the twins snappy dressers always Always. That was a good line that I liked. It was like, you know, uh, fa- it was what was it like? Fashion over, fashion over uh, uh, comfort, comfort. Or something. Yeah, when they saw Cap G, and he was like, mm, okay, that's when they lost the car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like what Vasilia said. If it gets any hotter, I'll have to ask. Out, <laughs> I have to ask out the temperature or something. It was hilarious. I have to rewatch it. He had to ask out the temperature. He was he, talking about the wind. He, said, he was talking about the, you know, he was talking about the weather. He was like, if it gets any hotter out here, I'll have to like pretty much ask out the weather. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, y'all. I get it now because the weather's so hot. hot. Yeah, <laughs> those two were funny. They were funny. They, they were like them, and I like the twi- the other twins, Hannah and 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 Ami, Amy, whatever her name is. Ami, I think Ami, Hannah and yeah. Ami. 
They, you know, those that would be a comedy quartet I would watch with Hank thrown in. So, yes, and Tiplet, and when Basilio <laughs> felt objectified, that was that was a good one too. There's just little things. I also am very curious what his room smells like because they. I don't think I would want to smell his room because they said something. Crispin said it was it was pretty foul. <laughs> also, I want to know what it's like to travel through a dragon gate. That might be interesting, but yeah. you'll find out all about what those things are yes. when you watch teasers, teasers, the series teasers. or read the comic. Both. Yeah, we have to read the comic. So um, how much, how many fuzzy fro fro fros would you give them? I really like this series, so I would probably give it 4.5 fuzzy fros. Cool, cool, I'm going to cool. give it a point five. I was pleasantly surprised when I realized also that it was not Italian. Not that it would have been bad as Italian, but like <laughs> when you birth. were like, "This doesn't sound like Italian," I was like, "Cause it's Filipino." <laughs> like they're in Manila. I'm trying. That was hilarious trying, when you y'all. said that. I'm trying, y'all. I I realized something was wrong. I just couldn't quite place it. Uh, I would give it four point eight actually, because it was surprisingly better than I expected, and it made me really interested. Uh, again and like like i said folklore i know 38 tabs interested i get into these these holes <laughs> uh let's not talk about that anyway i 4.8 yeah because i would i'm definitely hoping season two comes out i'm gonna try to not spend too much money on trying to get the comics for so i can actually read them just so you know they're gonna have oh i, I think the third the third one in September, I think. Like the third volume? Yeah, I think they have it. I haven't even gotten the first volume, so we got I'm just saying, so you could probably get up to all the volumes, you know. That's true. This this year. If it's cheaper to do it that way, then I do it. But anyway, if you all want to send us stuff, feel free. Uh, not that I'm asking for handouts, but also I just don't know where to go yet. Plug. I just don't know where to go yet. <laughs> hey, I saw this guy who was like, they sent him the comics so because he was doing the the reviews and i was like oh so they just gave him a free comic for yeah. him doing a 20 minute review of a five minute spoiler and it was more of him going oh oh and then looking at the camera that it was watching him and i was like i could do better than this anyway uh, you hear that right heard that right here folks she can do better i can do a lot of things better than some people that I'm not gonna say because y'all should read uh, Black Dignity in a World from Made for Whiteness. That's all I'm gonna say. Anyway, definitely check out Treze. I loved it. I'm really excited to read the comic if I can find it here. I'm too. I am too. Um, you can find it digitally um on co- Comicsology, I, I believe. I want the hard copies. You can probably find that hard if copies. you if you look up Treze, you can probably find it easily I'm online. Sure I can. Without going through Amazon. Oh, no, more Amazon. F. Jeff Bezos. Like I said, without going through Amazon. Yes. I'm sure you can find uh, hard Let copies of it. stay in space. Is he in space now? Yeah, he went up sometime in time. Oh, okay. Well, just stay there. Anyway, yeah, next month is August. So Yay! we'll catch y'all there. We'll be one year older and wiser, too. And we'll be dancing in the moonlight. Until next time, let's put those crayons in the box. Look for us on all major podcast platforms. Don't forget to like and leave a review. Music by Moon Apple XX.
You can find them on Instagram as well as Art Done by Midnight Pain. Also on Instagram, check them out.